Hello and welcome to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. My name is Elena Newell and today we are talking with Elijah Caldwell. Elijah Caldwell is Black excellence. That's just my best description of him. He is a queer Black man living in New York City. He is an artist, a performer, a creative, but he's also an educator and a coach. So today we sit down and we talk about his course that he is developing to make sure that people are educated when it comes to the history of Broadway and the history of theater and not just the whitewashed versions that are presented to us most often, but all of it. great talking to him he's such a light he is such a beacon of knowledge and energy and i'm really excited for you guys to hear this we had a really super authentic no script conversation um, where we really were just being very open with one another and talking about this crazy career that we've signed up for and how we've become our own leaders and we've stood up for ourselves in these spaces and how we are finding our own ways to make it more accessible and more inviting to the people that look like us. And it's a really good conversation and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So let's just jump into it. Hello everyone, we are back with another episode of Fourth Ball and I'm here with Mr. Elijah. Elijah, would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Hi y'all, this is Elijah, otherwise known as aka hashtag this is Caldwell, okay? Yes, hashtag. I am, yes, hashtag. Uh, I'm a multi-hyphenate artist. Uh, that means I'm, I'm an actor, I'm a singer, I'm a pianist, I am a professor, I am a coach, I work for uh, Music Notes, I'm a, I'm in a music associate for Music Notes and Rock the Audition, and you know, activist, I, I, multi-hyphenate that's why I say yes I love that and like no artist is one thing right now if you're one thing you're losing money at this point like Ooh, you can't be just one that. thing at all as as my father would say that'll preach if you let it oh ah shut up I feel the spirit <laughs> hallelujah <Okay. laughs> Elijah today we're just here to kind of talk about um POC representation in these shows and um Ooh. there are some covert i just had an episode about uh the way that like higher education is not built with the black body in mind or built with the poc body in mind and how there are um like sub i want to say subconscious like i don't know if it's fully intentional but there are things that are set in place to where um you're felt to feel isolated you're made to feel isolated you're made to feel ostracized um and so let's talk a little bit about this this class this curriculum that you're putting together oh, yes, yes yes okay so let me first off let me um say uh first and foremost whenever i discuss these things and i just had this discussion actually today because i am bringing a part of this class to um another studio um i i i a my opinions come from the gaze of a black queer cis male and I think that it's important. I do not subscribe to the term BIPOC. And I say that because 
the going uh bringing things into an acronym inherently at its root is white supremacy okay mm. we are black indigenous and people of color we i will break down the last of this and why i have a hard time and where i am with this but i want to say that bipoc at its root is white supremacy because black people have a different experience than indigenous people who have a different experience than people of color and people of color in that also are people from Caribbean, people from Africa, people from all parts of Asia, people from um, Latin American roots. Do you see where this is? So yes. now people of color, so now putting us all together, you're basically saying just because of the melanin of your skin or however dark your skin is, you all deserve to be in one group. Mm -hmm. That is white supremacy. Okay, we are not a monolith. So, we are not we one are size not. fits all. Right, exactly. So then also, I mean, uh, being a person of color, that where I'm at right now is I, until we, I'm trying to figure out a term that is, as, as I described at the beginning of this, me being a multi-hyphenate artist, and that's just so I don't have to list all of the hash, all of the backslashes. The difference is these backslashes are people. Mm -hmm. So now we need to figure out, now that we've gotten BIPOC and now we need, now we quote unquote, we've broken down that it is black indigenous people of color and we all have different experiences culturally, then now we need to figure out how to uh, figure out how to make sure everybody is seen in this person of color bracket. Mm, yes. Sorry. So we, so not sorry, no, but we, that's yes. where we, that's where I'm starting with this conversation. Okay. No, yes. So that's where I created this class out of, and it is called the great white way versus the theater of the industry of today. And it discusses the history, the culture and the application of of uh, moving away from a white supremacist um, education in musical theater, mm. right? And or pop rock land. And so with this, um, we sort of have to start with that most of the education that we got in schools, unless to my knowledge, you went to an HBCU, which is a historic black college or university. Um, you stopped at the history that is just sort of like our Caucasian counterparts or white counterparts can like take this history and be like, oh, I know exactly what to do with the culture and application. Okay, great. So what do we do, and when I'm sure we'll get into this later, when we are set up to move into a point where, okay, you know what, we'll jump right on in. Can I do that? Can we jump right on in? Let's just do it. No, hey, we're diving, okay? We're already <laughs> we're in diving. this. Um, so let's say we have um, a black girl versus a white girl going in for Wicked. Mm -hmm. What's the premise of Wicked? Can you tell me what the premise of Wicked is? Um, if you give me a one sentence. Girl who is a different color than the other ones being isolated based on something that she cannot control. Hmm. What does that sound like? Sounds like racism, but... Uh, that sounds like racial discrimination to me, doesn't it? Uh, but Okay, oof. right. Oof, so oof. now that is where culture and application would come in. So you're not going to tell me that if you call a black girl in to play Elphaba that um, she's not going to bring that culture in of walking every day in the streets and being a black woman right. and experiencing what is happening in the show. Don't you think that that would actually richen what the show would be? And actually that's one of the shows that it wouldn't change anything. Mm -hmm. Then now there are shows that it would change it. I do believe. Um, but Wicked is not one of them. Right. So that's always what I sort of bring up is like, if you had a one sentence to talk about what the premise of that particular show is that is what that show is mm. and i love wicked and i i and i i love listen i have my favorite alphabas and things like that right, as well but right. like 
that there has only been one printerly contracted alphabet and her name is Alexia Kadim and she was in the West End mm-hmm. says something telling that we haven't had one in America. Correct. And if you saw recently um, during the Black Lives Matter protest of this era, um, they post the wicked Instagram posted a picture of like a white hand holding a green hand. Like we're all in this together. And I was like, oh, so you do recognize that there is something different from these two girls and that she is being discriminated against in some way based on the way she looks. So we understand. Right. We understand. But I, I also think that was like a recycled image from another advocacy thing. But cute, uh, cute, really cute. That's cute, Broadway. Because they, they took that down. They took that down really quickly. Because people were not pleased um, in the slightest. No, no, because because the thing is, you know what? Actions have consequences, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and we are now in a place where like we feel comfortable speaking out, like right, like this podcast did not happen before now because we all felt like oh we might get blacklisted, we might not. But it's like no, we're just calling out that we want to be equitable, and I'm not saying that somebody white or Latino or Asian can't play the role of Elphaba again, but I would love these rooms to actually look like the world and or to acknowledge the fact that it is about racial discrimination and who are those people that could, if if acting is living and behaving truthfully and fully under imaginary circumstances, which this is an imaginary circumstance, but it's not, it's an illusion. Do we have to look at those things? Facts. And so what, so... When you were creating this um, course, this curriculum, what was going on to where you were like, I'm seeing the real life implications of this whitewashed version of history? Well, so I'm a private vocal coach um, in the city. And so I had a lot of students of color uh, coming into me. Uh, to be honest, it was going in for Darren Hansen. Mm. And that was a show that always sticks out in my mind where I would have my black girls coming in for the same role it was it was never for the lead it was always for you know the black girl that's Mm -hmm. smart and like i love that they like make that and like now she is the black girl right right? that that is the trope that's the type that's the track right and so coming in and coaching it like they didn't know how to fit into this world because there was no direction it's like i have to fit into this white box and i was like no girl if you're going to be the black girl on the track, bring, bring your culture because she is knowing, right? Alana is literally the knowing track. Right. She's like, how the how the hell are you getting away with all these things that you're doing in she school? She sees through all the mess. She's like, uh-uh, something's not right. Right. So is that also not black women? <laughs> Ooh, that one, I felt that in my spine. Wow. So then, so then basically like good for you is literally a Caucasian man at the time. It was all Caucasian, a Caucasian man, mansplaining to you what white privilege is. Now, now if I gave you that note, when I'm coaching you, you're no, you're going to know exactly what to do with that material. Correct. Now, whether they address that in the show or whether the show changes, I don't know. I, and I, and I have to say, I have to be honest, I did not see Jordan in the role. But I have to say that a black man playing Evan Hansen when he's getting away with all these things that he's getting away with in the culture that we live at today, when people have issues saying black lives matter, it doesn't seem like this black man would get away with all these things that Evan would. He would be under the jail. Correct. Specifically, if it's an all white family he's dealing with, because realistically, even though Jordan is a black man, the rest of the cast, for the most part, was white. And then, then, so then I take that into account because a lot of people don't know it's about me. I'm adopted. So then my parents are black, but like I could replace that. So what if I was adopted into a white family who are probably the only people that are going to believe you? Mm. Your family. 
still don't think he would get away with it because at the outer of his core, people don't know that I'm adopted. Mm. And people, if I had white parents, people wouldn't know that I had white parents unless they saw. So if I did all this stuff, I would still just be a black man in this world. Yes. And that's my issue is that we're not addressing the culture and the application of the world. Yes. Yes. This is ringing so true for me because um, the Black Theater Ensemble at my college is doing uh, a, ver- a version of Heather's. And mm-hmm. um, being Veronica, I was talking to the director because I was like, we we're talking about hair. I'm like, oh, you can wear like a wig. We can do something straight. And like, I had a conversation where I was like, I want to wear my natural hair. Like, I want us to have conversations about race because JD is played by a white man. His dad doesn't like me for some unknown reason that we don't know. I was like, those are the things I don't want to, I want to acknowledge gun violence, her opinions. Like, why is she so angry about this damn gun in her house? Like, those things mean different things to me than it would to, you know, Susie Jan or whatever. And so because okay, of Susie that, <laughs> because of that, um, we have to embrace that. And if there's going to be a black production of this show, we need to be our blackest selves. And we don't need to be like what you were saying. I think people try to figure out how to present their most white, pleasing forms of themselves mm-hmm. for these shows because they don't see themselves in it. They don't see how they could fit into it. And that's a lot of shows like reading the script and being like, this could never happen in a black household in a black family. Correct. Because also the way that Evan Hansen talks back to his mother, <laughs> not in a black household. No, not at all. I don't know any kind of colored household really that, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I have to say that. Like I do, I, I cannot tell you somebody who looks at least like me, I can only speak for my existence, that would speak to their parent in that way and not get knocked into next year. Yeah. And that's all these family dynamics. Like next normal, like the fact that they even acknowledge that the mother has a mental illness is steps above. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fact that they acknowledge it, the fact that they're letting her, they're helping her, they're helping her get medication, they're helping her be treated for it. Those things aren't talked about in black communities like the way, like the way that they are in white communities at yeah, all. Com- right, right. Because you know what we have? I mean, we also have to address that. What do we have? We have Dr. Jesus, Dr. God. Like that's, that, you know, I, I, I'm lucky that both of my parents are actually uh, have their master's in counseling. Thank I'm God. very lucky that Thank both God. my parents have their master's. And like, see, that's the other thing where I come, like, I understand that like the um, situations that I come from, I'm, a very, I'm in a very blessed situation where like, I can I can see where I could fit in in Dear Evan Hansen, but that still, I would never talk back to my parents like this. I still know that I am black. Like I had the conversation that I was black at five years old. Right. Like we're having conversations that, that our white counterparts do not have to have. Right. Right. Like if you ask them, so what's the, when, when did you know that you were white? When did your parents tell you that you were white? They look at you like you're crazy. Right. Cause you, you, it's not just saying that you're black. It's saying that you're black and that is viewed as a weapon. That is viewed as something dangerous. That's why they Correct. have to tell you at such a young age, because you can't just walk around with all of that, not knowing. Not knowing at all. Um, and then going, also going back to the Heathers, I, did this production already happen? No, it's happening in January. Okay, how many gen- Okay, so uh, I'm gonna give you some tips. So I, I'm a uh, my niche is pop rock. So yes, like, I do pop rock. That's yes, what I yes, do. Yes. Like that is like the that's the top thing of what I do. Um, so what I also want you to have a conversation with is with the music director because like you're, so you're playing Veronica. Mm-hmm. Slices. And we have okay. a black Heather Chandler, my best friend. Yes. She's it's it's yes. a really iconic. It's really iconic. It's iconic. So then what we also have to address is that this is a pop rock score and that where were black people in the 80s, right? Were we doing mm. hard rock? No, we were like Denise Williams. We were Patti LaBelle. Like mm. we had, we need to discuss how the score is going to sound R&B on your voice inside of this music. Yeah. So I want you to take that little nugget and Period. take that to the team. 
Consider it right? taken. Consider it taken. Yes. That's so that's that's your little note for you is that you, if we're gonna that's also the application and the culture is that like where were we? We weren't on MTV because MTV was a white state of mind. Mm-hmm. We were in R and B directly. Mm-hmm. Right? Stephanie Mills. Um, Denise Williams, Patti LaBelle, Luther Vandross, Lionel Richie, like all of, all of these stars, these were, this was R&B. Yes. Yes. Like where was black rock and roll? I actually, I really wanted people to think about that. Right. Like I want people to take a moment and think about it. Like where, like, and I'm sure there are names, sure. But like our black people, we had our own specific thing because we were not, we didn't have light enough skin to be on MTV. Right. And if there were black artists creating rock and roll, there were white artists stealing it from them and gaining popularity Which, off of their work. The dawn of time. Hi, Elvis. Okay. <laughs> and then having their background singers do everything else. Correct. Right? Correct. Well, if you've not seen 20 Feet from Stardom, watch that. Like that literally, if you want to if you want to look into how talented the people that are black indigenous or people of color are and how their stories literally just get stolen or they get paid less or they're not the stars watch that mm. but it was on netflix i'm it, hopefully it's still on there yes yes anyway <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that is <laughs> I, I don't know if tyler told you we're getting all this fire i know i is. this is this is the energy i love to see i love to see it um so let's talk about let's talk about your experience growing up did you um, go to college for theater? Did you do theater in high school? What was that experience for you like? Um, I also just had this talk again today. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry you're repeating. S- no, 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 no. Like I, I had it with, um, with like discussing this other job, a like, mm. new job that I'm getting. Um, so I started classical piano when I was five years old. Um, and that's because I wanted to play saxophone. I actually grew up like listening to Kenny G and Yanni yes. and um, George, uh, oh my God, George Benson and um, uh, Lewis, what's his name? Uh, the in crowd, um, jazz pianist. I mean, I, I grew up listening to a mm-hmm. lot of music, but like I was like grew up being an instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. So I started piano at five. I was in my, I, I, we did church plays. Like I sang it, I sang in church. And of course in vacation Bible school, like I, like I did the, the church, yes. I did the church circuit. Okay. I'm, I'm from North Carolina. I'm also yes. from North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from uh, Western North Carolina. And then. That's where our um, school is. Western North Carolina. Oh yeah. I'm, girl, I know. Yeah. I went to Chapel Hill. Oh yes. I live in Concord, but I go to Western Carolina. It's like, I'm from Morganton. Yes. See, we know we, we know where this is. <laughs> See, we know we know what this is. So, um, so yeah. So I grew up in the western part. There wasn't many many black people, you know, or like in in parts of town. We were like in sex of town. And then um, I did my first play in eighth grade. Like we had like the drama school that was just for like a semester, and I I played a black preacher course and so that was the world i had in eighth grade there's a video of it somewhere like we're talking about like speaking in tongues and getting the spirit like that like Mm. churchiness on Mm. stage like that happened um then my high school didn't really have a drama program um i was actually asked to reach out to them i was like they haven't they don't have a drama program like i did marching band like i was my my dramatic i was drum major so i was and i was head drum major my senior year so like i had the i had a white tux come on sequence i was leading the band i was conducting girl it was the drama the closest Um, thing you could get to performance in that school yes Absolutely. And then, I mean, I did competitions. Like I, I won my first piano competition at six, at, in sixth grade. I was 12. Uh, to uh, Scott Joplin's Maple Leaf Rag. Yes. So like I was, we, we did the thing. So then I got to college and um, I still was going to be a concert pianist. Um, 
but then found acapella. I was in the, a part of the UNC Accordance. Shout out to my acapella group, Amel Acapella, at uh, the, univer the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Come on, Chapel Hill, Chapel Thrill. In America, okay? Um, <laughs> and so I did that, and that's where I also found my voice. I was like, oh, I love singing pop music. Mm. Like, how can I do this? And oh, sorry, I have to go back. When I turned 18, I went to New York twice. My first show that I ever saw, this is very important um, for everybody. The first show I saw on Broadway was Rent. Okay. Mm. And Rent has a special place in my life. Um, my Seasons of Love soloist was Frenchie Davis. Yep. Period. Yes. My Maureen was Eden Espinosa. Full Latin stop. Ex Queen. Please, full stop. Um, I, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, oh my God, Renee, uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry. Yes. Mimi. Yes. Was, was my Mimi. Right. So, like, I had people. You had top notch. I, I had top notch. Like I was watching, I was watching stars and did not even know it. Mm. Right. My angel was Justin Johnston. This is an interesting story. I have to go. I'm going to have to send this to him because I always shout him out. So Justin Johnson was my angel. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell the story and then we'll fast, then we'll pin a pin in it and we'll come back to it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Justin Johnson was my angel cut to my like first year out of grad school. I went to grad school and then we'll get back to that. And then I did uh, three off Broadway shows in one year. Come I on. did my first show. I was the lead. I was a title character. Uh, miss, uh, and we'll get there. I did a nymph show. I understudied Justin Johnston. Mm. That was my first time, like, utter studying, like, uh, an equity show. Like, mm -hmm. equity people were in a show. And it was my first angel. Mm. Important. Called me and was like, hey, people, we need tenors for this show downtown. It's Soho Rap. Can you do it? I was like, yeah, I can. Absolutely. That show got me my card. My first Broadway show, the person I saw and, and like, was, like, inspired by helped me to get my equity card. Yes. This is why community matters. Yes what I want to tell people in this that story, you need to take that. Okay, going back to me being 18. Uh, second <laughs> show I saw, you're going to gag over this, was Hairspray. I literally saw, my first two Broadway shows were shows that I could be in. Wow. That I saw myself in. Wow. You know, I know who my see we would? Oh, God, I'm not ready. It was Tevin Campbell. Can we talk for a minute? Listeners, if you don't know who that is, Google is your friend and YouTube is your friend and listen to the vocal. What? And, uh, and for those people that love Disney, just Google eye to eye. Mm, He's correct. Line. Correct. And He's correct. power line. That's, that's actually how you know the voice um, for most people, but black folks know. Yes. Tevin Campbell was my seaweed. Um, Alexis Vega was my penny. Mm -hmm. Ashley Parker angel was my link. Yes. Yeah. So like, I, like I, but like, uh, once again, Penny was Latin X. Like, mm -hmm. Darlene Love was my mama. Like, like, mm -hmm. like, I was seeing legends. I was seeing Correct. people represented on stage. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So like, I, of course I thought I could like, so when, so going back to Carolina, well, so I was 18. So when I was like, I don't want to be in a practice room for eight hours a day. I'm too social for this. I love singing pop music. How can I do this? Oh, okay. Here we go. My third show. <laughs> Going gag at this. So when I visited New York for the third time, it was my junior year of college. I saw Fela. I saw an all-black show that was produced by Jay-Z. How did you, how did you, how did you curate this? My God. Listen, the black gods were, on. were here for me, okay? Um, so you want to know who my mother, Fela's mother was in the show? Who? Please tell me. Patti LaBelle. Oh my God. So you, God gave you every opportunity you could to say someone like you could be in this, in this career, in this field. 
And if you didn't, if you couldn't catch it the first time, here it is the second time. And if you couldn't catch it the second time, well, here you go. One more time. So then also back going back, here's how the connection still happens. Once again, Fela, um, Ishmael Kute, who was like one of the leading stars, uh, in, in singers. He also, uh, grown woman. That's him. Right. Oh, wow. His name is Ishmael. Yeah. Um, so that show that Justin Johnson, um, my, you know, the guy Mm -hmm. I understudied in the first Broadway show helped me get my equity card in that year. Yeah. Well, Ishmael was, uh, my tenor family part. So I also was in a show with him. Wow. So like, when I say it's all possible right. and that theater can happen and it, and it, I don't know, like timelines, I can't tell you about timelines. I don't know about that. I, you know, like some people are gonna be like right place, right time. Some people will be like, I mean, I want to say it's talent and that I put in the work. Cause I also did that. And I was a kind person and right. like, but I also was surrounded by theater that <laughs> once again, coming back, I saw myself on stage. Mm-hmm. Hmm, imagine that seeing yourself on stage and realizing that there are no bounds before you right. get jaded so now we will go back mm-hmm. <laughs> to um, the education. So I graduated UNC Chapel Hill and I was like, I don't want to be, a P- I don't want to do this. So I auditioned for two schools, Boston Conservatory mm. and NYU Steinhardt for musical theater, mm. um, a master's in music, right? Cause I had a bachelor's in music. I was like, I need to get a master's in music. So I did not get in Boston Conservatory, um, which full transparency, I lit somebody that was like, <laughs> This was actually said to me, and I very I remember everything that was said to me that was off-colored, even if I didn't have the language for mm-hmm. it. I went to audition at the school, and and one of the, you know, they have, like, helpers around the school that attend the school. Somebody at that school looked at me and was like, oh, they're going to love you. People of color in right now, you're definitely going to get in. Somebody at the college literally said that to me as I was auditioning. I was auditioning for grad school. Wow. And we just had a conversation with a Black BFA student from BOCO just a couple days ago. That's... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They probably acted something similar. Probably. Or I hope it's definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, right. So I can tell you that I didn't even go there and I experienced it. Right. Um, and then and that was a student. That wasn't faculty, that was mm-hmm. a student. I have to say that. But it was still said to me. Correct. Like that was the culture that was being said. So then I got to NYU and I, you know, NYU was a very white school. I've, I was one of two black people. There was one black man and then I was a black female. Shout out Jojo, Joanna, I love you. Um, uh, Wang and Kim um, was an Asian man in my class. And then I want to say that everybody else was white. And I would believe you. I would believe right. you. Yeah. And that's NYU. Mm-hmm. So I very luckily have to shout out my voice teacher then, Matthew Shepard Smith. Um, because of him, I can, mm-hmm. and that's because we I ha- we had two different separate voice lessons at Steinhardt. We would have the lessons, the real world lessons, and we'd have Steinhardt lessons. Because Steinhardt had a very specific way of doing things. Mm-hmm. That was a very whitewashed way of doing things. I felt mm-hmm. like I was losing myself. It wasn't until I found jazz standards and found the things that Black people created that I was like, oh, this is how we fit into which goes back and we'll, um, we'll jump ahead to the um the class that i teach which is why i was like oh black this is how black people fit into traditional land mm-hmm. right i and really sadly it like two weeks ago i don't know if you know this did you know there was an all-black revival of guys and dolls in the 70s no okay get on youtube the entire album is on youtube you're gonna get your entire life wait hang and- on hang on <laughs> We're taking a pause.
to I had to write it down. <laughs> I had to make sure I knew that. Oh that was yes, happen. yes. Um, at nicely nicely was Ken Page, and wow. the understudy for Sarah Brown was Brenda Braxton. Ernestine hollers her ass off. When I tell you, uh, if I were a bell, listen, I don't want to hear nobody giving me no heady, heady head voice no more. She's supposed to be drunk. Mix me the house down, ma'am. Correct. Uh, when I tell you, when I, when you've listened to this, if somebody had just given me this all black version of guys and dolls and not just been like, oh, you look and sound like baby Titus. That's how you should do it. Like you should, that is not an instruction. Like, it, like, and and like I got, I mean, I got what I know what they were trying to tell me to do. But if somebody had given me this all black revival that was literally like the Motown jazz version, mm-hmm. that's like, oh, this is what our culture did. Correct. So this is how you approach being traditional under the gaze of white supremacy. Because we mm-hmm. also have to know that like what they're expecting of us comes under what they think that we should be doing based off what we look like. Right. I'm going to say that again. What they expect of us comes off what we look like that doesn't describe what the culture is that's talking about skin color period correct i can look like how i did but like i also people don't know that like i belong to a southern baptist white church in in middle school and high school because that was like sort of the only one with like consistent children choirs and Mm -hmm. youth groups i i of course attended black church like growing up and i attended black churches like even with being in white church and like i love gospel music and that's what i grew up with and that's what i listened to in the house however you know, like you don't know somebody's culture until you ask them. Correct. You and I also, assume it. my biggest thing is that I've been talking to people about is type versus stereotype because okay. the way that this, this belt mix works and the way that the placement, the range, the way that all that works, that can be informed into my type, into the type of roles that I can play. But you looking at my skin and assuming that I'm going to be your Effie, it's, it Your probably Effie? won't work out for you because I don't know if she has it. You know, I'm t- pointing to my vocal cords, everyone. I don't know if she yes. has it. And so, okay, right, right, right. But like, there's also nothing to say because also, if we're gonna look at culture and application, you know, who actually accepts um, people with ba- no matter what they look like, if you're curvy, if you're not, black people. So if we're gonna discuss dream Correct. girls, Laurel can have curve. Dina Correct. can also have curve. Correct. Made, that may throw off, but like, who's not to say that like Effie is just the biggest one, the curviest mm-hmm. one of the group, but that's not to say that everybody else has to be stick thin right. to make us believe it. Also vocal qualities, because you have people that chirp mm. versus people who belt Correct. versus people who mix. But like, you don't, a lot, people casting that that don't look like us don't understand these terms because it's not a part of their culture. And that's the thing. Cause if you're doing a show, that's, that's my, I love hairspray, but I also, my problem with hairspray is that there are black roles that were written by white people and t- st- stereotypically white people are the ones who cast it. So then even if you have these black shows that are, could embrace these beautiful black bodies for their entire blackness, you also have to look at these production teams and these creative teams that are going to be the ones hiring these people. Right. The dynamites don't have to look like dancers in in a dancer's mind. And also, what is a dancer? A dancer is a dancer. Can you dance? You're a dancer. Right. But I'm going with like, also this, like, when I speak in these things, I really am trying to be very careful of my language mm-hmm. because it's like, I'm realizing how much of white supremacy is, is ingrained into, into me. It right. was taught into me. Right. So then, so then let's jump back. So then going back in grad school, um, I was like very much so whitewashed. So I jumped, I jumped school. So I 
when I got a taste of my blackness, I did um, Passing Strange as Stu at NYU Tisch. Come on. Come on. I literally jumped schools because I was literally being cast as the sultan of places of this imaginary place because I was like one of like the darkest ones and could sing it and then like being in place as a thug and being in place as a cop the amount of cops and thugs that I played at NYU Steinhardt is was baffling to me like granted per, sure if you're gonna pay me thousands of dollars and put me on SV and uh, give me tv money for it I I get it but like I also can be somebody's lawyer okay right I can also be somebody's doctor I cannot like I think I want people to think more of themselves than the th- the places that people put them. If I thought that I could only be a cop or a thug, I would be stuck there. Mm-hmm. I'd get stuck there in my mind, right? So then I jumped and I went to Stu, and then Stu is this queer rock singer, right? Where they were literally like, and that was the first time I was told, we don't care about your voice. What are you saying? What stories are you? And I was like, oh, oh, oh my God what storytelling don't care about my voice don't care about my train that was like one of the first times and then when i did the african show uh, i did generations with south i was in the south african zulu choir and learned how to sing and they were like we don't care about your training sing to god and i was like yeah i'm grabbing the walls people i'm grabbing the walls like, it was literally <laughs> just like me you know but then going back over to Seinhardt, and they were like sing in this box mm-hmm. so then when i was figuring shit out it was like fall semester i was figuring out what i want to do for my graduate recital and i got in passing strange girl it changed my life so i was like you know what the first part of my recital is called onyx and for those of you that don't know onyx is a is a synonym for black with a k or with a q black so you can hear that um (laughs) and i did i wanted to do all things that were like by black people right so my opener I this is where I swear I opened with "Let Me Sing" and I'm happy, which was actually made famous by Al Jolson, the father of blackface. But I wanted to do it because, like, I don't know if many of you know this version, but there's an Aretha Franklin version, right? Right? There's an Aretha Franklin version because the, because black people started reclaiming things that were mm-hmm. done in blackface. This has always been happening after we got over the fact that we don't have to do blackface because mm-hmm. we are in blackface all the time period born with um, it. right so then and then i did a harold arlen set because he wrote for the muses mm-hmm. you know he wrote for the blacks he wrote for cotton club he wrote for black people and i love harold arlen um and then my third set was um a contemporary musical theater that was just all black roles yeah i mean ended it with let it sing from violet like it was, all, it was actually you know what to be to be honest with you it was all written by white people but it was all black roles within white people and not to this day i really wish i had done some more um role shows done by black people mm, specifically mm-hmm. and i want everybody to remember that i am a black queer cis male so this is why i'm speaking to the black experience because that's the only experience i know of correct um personally i can teach others because i want to learn um but that being said like that was my thing so but on my journey to find we're gonna go here in the education on my journey to find where I wanted to do. Oh, sorry. My classical set, excuse me. This is a very important topic. My classical set, remember it was Onyx, was Negro spirituals. Now let me, let me tell you about this journey to getting here. Okay. I had a professor in school when I was like, oh, I'm doing this. And thank God for Matt Shepard's method. He was like, no, you're doing this and you're doing this the way you're supposed to do it. Mm. Um, Matthew Shepard Smith, I God, he's 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 great. He's he's a white man, but he like he really understood me. Um, my professor, I was in this class figuring out what I want to do for my sets, right? 
and I had two different professors and I was like, I'm going to do Negro spirituals for classical. And I got told that that doesn't really fit the rubric or the curriculum. And how about I look at um, Aaron Copeland. Can I tell you what's older than Aaron Copeland's Americana? Please. Negro spirituals. Who would have thought? Oh no, who would have thought? So I was hot. I was, I mean, I, I clearly was hot. I mean, I, it's like, I'm doing this, whatever. If I, if you fail me, then you fail me, but I'm mm-hmm. going down in a sea of black flames. Come on. Of failure, quote unquote. Right. And, and I ended up doing it. And, th- but then I did, I had another class come spring semester that I had to like sing all of, uh, we had to choose one set to do. And I was like, I'm doing this classical set. And when I tell you that I cried, I made my classmates cry. My professor was like, this is the truest form of you I've ever seen. And I was like, because it's also me. It's my culture. It's the application. It's the history. It's all wrapped up into one. I will never forget the moment I figured out who I wanted to be in musical theater started with Negro spirituals. Mm. Mm. And that's something I grew up with because my mother was the Black history teacher. So I knew about Fisk Jubilee singers and I knew about Negro spirituals and I grew up listening to Kathleen Battle and Leontine Price and Jesse Norman singing Negro spirituals and those people were singing them at the Met Opera. How dare you tell me that it doesn't fit the curriculum of this legit quote unquote musical theater program? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. You, We need to change the education and the curriculum and that's where it started from. Right. Also, I was told that why don't I, in the Negro spiritual thing, why don't I just make it one of the encores? <laughs> I will forever remember that to this day. I also was told when I was figuring out my, um, my, uh, my jazz set, I was going to do a Gershwin set and I was singing it ain't necessarily soul. And I, you know, I'm being from North Carolina. I was told to think of collard greens and fried chicken as a note. What? Right. Yeah. And I understand the old garden. I understand that like people have to retire and die, you know, but like you, we can't educate like that anymore. No. Unless you ask people like, and I understand like, and I understand like people, some people would argue that like, oh, well that's, isn't that part of the culture? Yes, it is. But you can't tell some student without, especially without discussing where their culture is or asking them where their culture is to think of, of collard greens and fried chicken. I want to also point out this time that I was like 325 pounds. I was like obese. So like also for, like it it was just a whole bunch of things that like right. you know, I I just uh, I no, yeah. I it's and because they I'm trying to find the nicest way to say this. Because they are too full of themselves to feel like they have to ask students permission or ask students questions about their lives to try to make them feel more comfortable. I find that the experience for specifically black bodies, because again, that's all I know. So I, I don't want to talk about Correct. any other experience. Um, Correct. It is so, it can be so traumatizing. Those moments yes. when you're asked to be more sassy and you're asked to, when they give you words that they know are they associating with blackness that you don't personally associate with blackness and knowing exactly mm-hmm. what they mean. And you almost, everyone I've found who has really come into their own and discovered themselves hits a point in their higher education process where they have completely given up on their school where they have completely said, I'm going to do this for me. And if the school that I'm associated with doesn't want it or they don't like it, well, then they either have to throw me out or fail me or do what they need to do. And I think it would be, I, every time I hear those kinds of stories, I think how much easier it would be if we got the same process of being 
having our hand held and being like slowly grazed through all this all this stuff that none of us know because you're going into these programs that like if you're going into your bfa you're 17 18 going into your mfa in your like early 20s 20s yeah you're so young and you're so you're looking for guidance of all levels not just artistic and you're literally asking these people to help guide you and Thankfully, I've had voice teachers specifically are the ones with me as well who have like spoken to me, like Kristen, Kendall, Marina, like those are the ones who have served as mentors and the ones who refused to let me limit myself. So when I came in the room, right. I was like, oh, I should just probably sing like this. Like I like for Aida, um, we were like, I was like, I want to sing something from Aida. Um, but I was like, I don't like I love Aida's part. But I like for me, Amneris is something that spoke to me more. I was like, I enjoy the gravitas of it. I love the extraness mm-hmm. of it. And I was like, right. I know that people don't normally like right now play that. And my oh, voice teacher oh. was like, so you're singing my strongest. No, um, you're singing. I know the truth. Yes. So yeah. you're going to sing Amneris' song because that's what you want to sing. Right. But it also, you know, I'm, I hope you know, there's a revival coming. It's the all black revival. Don't, I already know. And I'm excited. Okay. Great, great, great. I have so many friends and clients in that. Listen, it, it, sorry, sorry, white people, you like, you can't sing I Eat anymore. It's, it, it was not okay back then. And, and it's, it's, it's not okay. Definitely now. not okay now. <laughs> um, so yeah, you just, you, you can't do it. And I understand that it's the way things were, but like we're not in the way things were anymore. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just, I work at a camp in which we had this conversation and I was like, like, it's just, it's not a thing anymore because they are honest. They are, this new revival is correcting the things that were wrong in the old revival. And I have worked with many of these people that are in charge of this. And I know that that, that is the vision like that. Right. They are correcting things that were wrong and people are going to get very hurt because there are a lot of star names that went through there, but mm-hmm. it's not correct. And also, yes. So my strongest suit is, or I know the truth is yes, that is exactly that is what you should be singing if you're not, and I, not everybody is an alto. Heather Headley is an alto, folks. Shout out not to my tenor sisters out there. Yes. Come on, tenor sisters. Sing that tenor, but not, I every, stand with not you. every black girl is a tenor. Correct. Some people are sopranos. There have to be sopranos. And not everybody is Audra McDonald, folks. Okay? Audra is phenomenal. Not everybody is her. There's She's a reason her. she has six Tonys and other people don't. She's, a, okay. she's her own woman. Thank you. But we can also be our own people and aspire to be inspired by her. Mm-hmm. Aspire to be inspired. Let me say that one mm. more time. Aspire to be inspired. That's the title right? of this episode. Aspire to be inspired. Okay, that, great. That spoke. Great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I feel you where it's just like, I, uh, I, I just think that in, in terms of education, there has to be an overhaul. And so like the college that I work at, I am that person for my kids all, all across the board. We have the hard conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Excuse me. We have, um, I, I have, I mean, my studio is called the house of Caldwell. Mm. That's what the kids aptly named me. And that's the, that's the title I accept the house of Caldwell, because that's what you are. When you come to the house, we're going to be discussing these things. We're going to, we're going to be discussing. Like if, if I have white people and you're going in for hairspray, you need to know whether you're Penny and you're a mixer or you're Amber and you're a racist. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to say. Cause you need to approach material very differently. We can't just be like, Oh, I'm white in there. No, because there are two different types of white people in this show. Mm-hmm or the time period, or the era, or the, I can go on and on, like, like the school was doing Greece, and I have this, um, this uh, biracial girl in my studio, and I was talking to her, I was like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be an interesting and a beautiful choice to be Sandy, and being that if you could pass versus not, and why it is scary for you to be like, 
in the school because like what if somebody finds you out and then what if the if the pink ladies found out that somebody in your family was black because you know what why because people don't know this you have to look at culture once again what was um being interracial in the 50s what was it it was illegal when i tell you we are kindred spirits simply because i tell my friends every three months that I'm going to have my own theater company. And the first, one of the first shows we're going to do is Grease and Sandy's going to be black and Danny's going to be white. And part of the reason um, he doesn't want to talk about who she is when he, she gets there, he doesn't know who she is because he knows that even though wherever they were that summer, things were allowed and things were kind of chill. It's not the way it is where he is. And that's why she's ostracized. That's why they spend a whole song simply making fun of her because they don't like the way she acts. They don't like the way she looks. People are intimidated by her. What, but what if, and also like, it's theater, right? So what if, I, don't, I, I haven't seen a script for Grease, so I couldn't tell you, but like also like that's what directing is. Come on. Um, so then what if, yeah, if Danny is white and Sandy's black, what if they met abroad? Because yes. you know, people were treated differently during segregation and abroad. Or what if they were in New York? Yes. Or what if, what if there were a place where like segregation wasn't necessarily a thing and then you come back to Rydell High and it's the first year of integration? Mm-hmm. And so then Sandy's mm. one of the first Blacks integrate. So you see how that just, see I, see, I talk about seasoning. Mm -hmm. I want my shows to be seasoned. Correct. I don't need no bland shows no more, okay? No more. I want it to be seasoned. But like that also takes, y'all, it doesn't take much to have an imagination unless you are truly set in your ways and you really just do not like the fact that the world is changing. And mm -hmm. that's all I can truly go off of. And that might not be true. But if you're not willing to change, then you're literally staying uh staying dormant mm -hmm. and i don't have time for that and they and they almost sometimes are scared they think that if you acknowledge that if if they acknowledge that you're a black person that you'll somehow be offended and so when they get you in these shows like ignore your race i don't care about your race it's like no I, that's a huge part of who i am and how i see myself so see my race like i was talking to my um current theater history professor about streetcar because they were going to do the streetcar with audrey mcdonald um, uh -huh. this summer that got canceled COVID, we hate you. Um, right, right. And I was saying, imagine the implications of being the only black person in that dynamic, being the crazy sister that no one listens to. And then Stanley looking at you as some kind of exotic prize to be one. And then your sister who maybe can pass, maybe she doesn't buy into it. Maybe she's enjoying her delusion. Like if, when you see the race, it means more. And it makes you, it makes me know that you see me as my full artist self, not just what I can do for you, what I can provide for you personally. Right. And even, even, in, okay, listen, listen, we can also call this breaking down Audra's career because Please. now let's, let's look at Audra in 110 in the shade, mm. right? Because she, she's like, I just, imagine the implications of the time period and she just wants to be plain. Why would she just want to be plain? Because she doesn't want to be noticed or stir the status quo. And this man is making her exotic. Mm -hmm. Like, no, what about Melisande? Like, imagine he's giving her this name that is so weird, which to somebody black that would just be assumed that that, like, oh, I get why. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying, Louis? Yes. Like, you have to see the color. That's why, the audience that's is going to see it regardless. Conscious. Correct. They, you know, they also saw, uh, and I would tell you, this is my experience in Carousel. Joshua Henry loved it, loved him. Um, and they took the like slap out. They like had him hit her hand. Mm -hmm. When I told you that, there were audible gasps. People knew it was coming. And when he slapped her, the little girl's hand, there were gasps. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, these white people just saw a black man hit a white girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, this is not. 
you know? But what if, what if it had been different? What if Billy Bigelow was like Jose Lana and and Julie was Nikki Renee Daniels? Come on. Now, wouldn't that be an interesting choice? Come on. What if Julie was Black? What if Julie was Asian? What if what if Billy was was somebody of Latin Latinx descent or Asian descent or even white? If Billy was white and, and Julie was some other race, that right. changes the narrative. But we don't talk about those narratives that aren't seen. Mm-hmm. We talk about the one that is most common, the black man hitting a white woman. Correct. And every time we cast these shows, we just try to fit them into that mold and we try to dance over it as quickly as possible and act like yep. it's not a thing. And because yep. of that, then the audience, I feel like, are is they're even more aware of it because it's not being addressed we're all seeing this one thing happen and we're watching everyone act like it's not like it'd be easier to invite them into this world letting them know exactly who everyone is letting them know that the actors know who everyone is and then bringing them into that world instead of trying to create this false narrative and then throwing something out that reflects what the real world looks like correct that's it's all of it's all of that but like that's also do you real? I mean, clearly, you probably you absolutely realize because you, you have this podcast and you are listen. You're you're going to do great things because this is this is it. Um, where we have to have an elevated knowledge that our white counterparts do not, or that we expect our white counterparts to have by the time that they reach being a director or a music director, that a lot of times they do not have. So now I'm bringing so much more culture and application and knowledge of both sides of history. Because I have to know the white history and the black history Mm -hmm. and the indigenous history and the why it's, you know, and then how it would be possible, like even in like in in the Heights, I would love to be in in the Heights. I could really only be Benny. And that's just because being Dominican means Afro Latino. And I have had I've never gone in for in the Heights, actually, because it's like. I don't know if I'm Dominican. I really get mistaken for Dominican all the time. I, I probably need to do like an ancestry.com thing <laughs> and see. But like, I, I also have felt like for people that are Dominican, like I, I, it's sort of like rectangle and square. I, I'm not sure in myself, like I ascertain myself to being black, not Afro-Latin, Latinx, mm-hmm. right? Or for me, Afro-Latino, I'm obsessed male. So Afro-Latino. So it's like, if Benny's supposed to be Dominican, is that a role for me? Right. Just because I look like I'm Dominican? I don't know if I am. And then people are like, well, that's theater. Like, of course, that's theater. And I'm like, okay, I get that, but... Right, and even you, if you, you but, even if you do the Ancestry.com, you haven't lived your life with the knowledge that you're a Dominican man, so you wouldn't have that background, you wouldn't have that experience of being one. Right. Right. So it's like, and I don't know if Christopher Jackson is, he may not be, and like, people are like, well, it's just, it's a black... But like, that's, once again, the lumping of what people would call BIPOC. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, I could go in for Benny. Right. Right. To be determined. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I am, I'm very torn because, like, we're, we're, because the thing is, I feel like we're the only ones really thinking about this in this world where it's like, people are like, well, I'm not going in for this because, like, this is not correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And it's, I think it's also because we're used to watching our white counterparts squeeze themselves into whatever roles they see fit. We're used to already being already in the small box that we're only allowed to touch and we're not really considered for anything else. And so we're already hyper aware. I remember somebody was saying that like, um, no one can write about whiteness in the way that a black person can because they've had to be both removed from it enough to understand it in its entirety. And also their whole life is controlled by it. 
that's the word. That's that is the onlyest word. That's it. It's true. Like let like I let let a black person write about white privilege and have that played. I mean, a that play would be boycotted because it would be quote unquote racism. It would not be. You can't be racist. Sorry, we can be racist, but you can't be racist. But anyway, um, <laughs> tell the people. Uh, I, it yeah, I I agree. I agree with that statement. Yeah, fully. Okay, we are almost out of time, but before okay. we go, I do want yes. you to um, first plug anywhere where people can get you, where they can reach you, if you're offering voice lessons via Zoom, how people can reach you, and then also when we offer something to that young little black kid that is interested in this career, that wants to pursue the arts and just doesn't feel like there's a space for them, doesn't feel like they fit the mold they're constantly told oh there weren't any black people during this time you won't be able to like what do what what can we offer to those young kids who are so uncertain right now okay um so first so first to plug before i get in get into this preacher moment that i'm gonna have um so you can find me at www.this t-h-i-s is i-s caldwell c-a-l-d-w-e-l-l.com www.thisiscaldwell.com. All of my socials are some form of that. If you look up hashtag this is Caldwell, I think my Instagram is this is Caldwell official. My uh, my Twitter is uh, uh, under, uh, underscore this is Caldwell or uh, this is Caldwell underscore. If you look for it, you'll you'll you'll. Find It'll me. all be in the description too. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Come on, at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yes, I'm offering Zoom lessons. Um, you can inquire within. You can email my website. You can e- e- you can find me on social and then just send me a dm and we can set it up i am great at zoom lessons i like i said i specialize in pop rock i also do musical theater i do gospel i've trained people for the voice uh for american idol i i all you listen i'm not a monolith okay come on um so then the final word what for you for you young black gifted uh royalty is what i want to call you because royalty is that a Google is your best friend. All right. If someone tells you that you were not there, a in the moment, ask them why, or ask them if I was not there, what about quote unquote, what part of the country you think you derived from? That's where I would start. Was I not in Africa? Okay, fine. Then also you go home and you do your history lesson, right? Because you can't take people's words for account. You can't take dramaturgy for your words for account. You have to equip yourself with history. And when you equip yourself with history and facts, people can't discount that. Now, if they want to remain in their little bubble of non-knowledge, that is on them. But you, young royalty, you equip yourself with the knowledge to walk into rooms and to you being confident because people cannot deny when you come in with confidence. Those are the best auditions that you have. When you come in knowing exactly what you want, knowing exactly who you could play and knowing exactly how you fit in to the history and knowing your culture and knowing the exact application of it all. Okay? Because also know about different parts of the world where people were free. Know where people were free that look like you. Right? Because while we might have been in segregation and things in America in the 60s, in Europe, we were gods. Mm. We were muses. Mm. One of my favorite words. Look that up. Look at the muses of the time. Okay. Look at where people got the muse, that structure from. That's a new, that's a new um, genre that I've created actually in my new class. Um, And so that's the final word is that you can do it all. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't. 
look in the mirror and tell yourself everything. That's what my dad, that's one thing my dad told me. He says, look in the mirror and say, self, I am beautiful. I deserve to be here. I deserve the world. And say it every day until you believe it. And then say it every day until you walk into the rooms and show other people that you believe it. Say it every day until you walk into the rooms and know that you don't give a damn if they believe it or not. Mm. Okay. And that's the final word from hashtag this is called well. Yes. Elijah, thank you so much for sitting here. I would love when me and uh, Gail together, well, when me and Gail are together, I would love for you to just read us and give us a nice history lesson for the kids on another day if you're free. Um, Yes. I would love to be back. This is it. Thank you so much for sitting here and speaking life. You sp- you spoke life into me. I know you're speaking life into the people that are listening. Oh my goodness. This Thank was so you. great. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um I'm happy I'm happy to be here. I keep doing this. This is this is this is the work. That's what I want to tell you that this this is the work and you don't know how many people you're reaching. And even if it is only one person and even if it's only yourself, it's still the work. You just listened to another episode of Fourth Wall, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. If you like this podcast, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Why not? Also, follow us on Instagram at this is fourth wall. And if you have any questions, ideas for new episodes, thoughts, or you want to submit a letter that we can read aloud on the show, send us an email at hello at fourthwallpod.com. That's fourthwallpodpod.com. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.